right, guys, welcome to today's episode of the Lockdown SEC Podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, we look at uh, the Jalen Green situation and uh, the fallout from it as uh, some people in college basketball uh, have certainly um, taken this to an extreme when it comes to uh, what this could mean uh, for college basketball and for the NBA moving forward. Uh, And we'll look at uh, some random SEC basketball stats uh, that I've been putting out on Twitter uh, here over the past several days and dive into those as it pertains uh, to uh, who have been the most successful teams in the SEC over the past five years and 10 years. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But we do start with the Jalen Green situation. Um, On Thursday, uh, Jalen Green announced that uh, he would not be going and playing for Auburn or Memphis and would instead uh, go the professional route, uh, but not just any professional route. Uh, he would be going through uh, the G League's new um, professional pathway program, which is uh, how uh, Woj and all these other people have put the wording of it. Um, and that's exactly what it is. They basically uh, changed how they are doing, uh, you know, how they are going to bring players into the G League and into the professional ranks. And it involves uh, lots of different ideas and different uh, approaches that they're going to use. Specifically, uh, the one that Jalen Green is going to be doing is uh, one that includes uh, the potential uh, paying uh, prospects like Jalen Green, uh, who could very well be the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft, uh, $500,000 or more dollars uh, per year. And uh, it's basically a one-year program uh, that will allow these players to train and develop um, outside of the normal, you know, G League teams. And and basically, you know, they're not going to be on a G League team. They're going to be uh, in another uh, part of the organization, I guess you could say, uh, kind of having their own uh, team. And uh, basically, uh, they will compete against lots of different teams, not just teams in the G League. So um, it's something where, you know, obviously if you don't know kind of the ins and outs of it and what this program is designed to do for these players that are going to enter the professional ranks, um, there's a good story on on ESPN from Woj and Jonathan Gavoni. Uh, You can check that out. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, And and that's where all of this started in terms of uh, hearing all the reaction and seeing some of the articles that are out there about how this is going to impact college basketball. And, you know, there had been a hint uh, that Jalen Green was probably going to choose the professional route before he made his decision. Um, And I know that didn't make Auburn fans happy. And I still think, though, that, you know, I I don't know exactly what we expected just from him choosing that. Even if we went into this thing thinking, okay, he's going to decide to go pro and not go to college, I still don't know that we would have expected to to have this conversation that we're having where seemingly right after, you know, the decision was announced and we had these details of the $500,000 or so uh, that he could be making from this, this program, um, that's when everyone started to run with the idea that this was essentially going to destroy college basketball. And in a certain sense, I think you can understand why some people would be quick to think that this kind of money being offered to go professional right out of high school, uh, and it goes back to the one and done rule. We'll get into that in a bit. But, you know, for someone to get this type of money 
right out of high school, if you're one of the best prospects in the country, um, it, the decision becomes a lot more interesting. And I joked about it on Twitter. Uh, some people, I think, took it seriously, but clearly I was joking. But I think it ties uh, together uh, pretty nicely when I said that, you know, you can either uh, get an NCAA violation for having someone uh, pay for your meal, or you can make $500,000 straight out of high school. Um, you know, that's essentially what uh, these these opportunities are. And I think that made it probably a pretty easy decision for Jalen Green. And yes, that was a knock on some of the sillier rules uh, when it comes to the NCAA. But in a sense, I also think it shows you that if you're an elite prospect like this and you want to get to the NBA as quickly as you can, this at this point, based on how they've reshaped this entire G League program, um, why wouldn't you choose that? And I think you know there are just a lot of different players that could be in that same spot, and I don't know that necessarily every single one of them would go the route that Jalen Green's going, uh, but I do think that when you look at it, you can understand why it's very enticing that this would be an opportunity that knowing you're going to potentially be the top pick in the 2021 draft, um, rather than go to college for a year, not get paid, you can instead go straight out of high school to this G League program that could pay you, if you're a top prospect, 500000 or more dollars a year. Um, you know, I just think that's something where we can probably all sit around and say that we wouldn't do that. We would go to college. We would do the education part of it. Um, but yet when you have that amount of money out there and knowing that this is sort of a, a one year training deal where you're going to be playing with some of the other top prospects in the country, and it's going to obviously put you in perhaps a better position, um, knowing that you're going to have all this familiarity already in the professional ranks. Um, so I think in that part of it, you can understand why Jalen Green makes decision. And But that brings us back to what we said when it comes to the actual situation of how it affects college basketball. I don't think this is a situation where every single player that decides to, to go this route um, is going to be making 500000 or more dollars. Uh, and I think a lot of people have pointed that out. Everyone that decides to do this is not going to be given this same type of incentive uh, when it comes to that amount of money. Now, yes, if there is money involved, that makes it different from the NCAA because as of right now, players are not you know getting paid. And I think that's something... In, and yes, I know everyone will say, well, look at the, the FBI investigation and all that, and clearly players may have been getting paid, and um, and everyone has their own opinion on that. But uh, when we just look at it you know, on the surface, uh, it, it's a situation where the NCAA legally does not allow players to be paid, and this G League program legally does allow players to be paid uh, because they are entering the professional ranks. And so... Um, that makes it a much tougher decision probably for some of these players. And you've seen the rumors out there uh, that other players as well, and, and I know one that Auburn has been in on uh, is Greg Brown. And, you know, it seems like at this point, um, you know, there have been rumors that even the G League has reached out to him, but he's not the only one. There's so many other players when you look out there and see all these rumors. Basically, you know, the G League has gone about saying, look, we're going to reach out to all these top guys. We're going to see who we can bring in because that if you can bring these top guys in that's going to make it a lot more appealing for the top guys in the future um and maybe for a lot more players but you know here's the thing is it going to make it more enticing for those players that are in that middle 
middle space that aren't these guys that are going to be top five, top ten picks. Um, that's where I think people probably have to slow down a little bit when it comes to the fact that maybe just a handful of these players or 1% um, of the, the players in high school, or less than 1%, however you want to look at it, are going to be in this situation. This isn't a spot where you're going to have 95% of high school players having the same opportunity that someone like Jalen Green's going to have. Um, so I think that's why you know some of these narratives that are out there that that college basketball is just completely done after something like this, after one player deciding, um, you know, to complete to just not go the college route, go through this G League program. Um, I, I just think that's very silly because the, it's not that way. And uh, I think we look back and look at all the players when the one and done rule was not in effect, where you had players that went straight from high school to the NBA, uh, but yet college basketball still able to continue and uh, the interest, you know, has still been there. But coming up, uh, we'll talk more about this and how the NCAA uh, moves forward and what it could mean uh, for some of these other players that uh, may be deciding between the professional ranks and going to college. We'll get into that coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And to continue the discussion uh, on Jalen Green uh, choosing the NBA's G League program over uh, going to college. Um, As we talked about earlier, uh, I think it's just one of those where you see people sometimes that are so quick to jump on college basketball and uh, basically say that this is one of those decisions that's going to completely alter college basketball. Uh, I don't think that's the case. You can go through my Twitter feed and see that. It's just not realistic to think that, you know, college basketball is just in a spot where it's not going to be able to survive without some of these players um, that ultimately decide to go the professional route. There have been players for years and years and years that have decided to go the professional route and not go the college route. Uh, and yet, you know, it, it hasn't really been anything that has changed all that much. Uh, you still have the NCAA um, that is, you know, there are teams all over the country. There are 350 whatever teams there are now um, all across the country that are that are somehow still fielding teams, uh, despite the fact that some of these players are going the professional route. And yes, I will, you obviously, we have to admit that this reshaped program from the G League is going to draw more attention. It's going to draw more interest because when you see a number like $500,000 thrown around, I don't care who you are in high school, that's going to appeal to you because, uh, yes, everyone would love to get a college education. I think you've seen Jalen Green came out and say, look, he can go back he can get a, a college education now, but the fact is, um, he's getting you know professional training. Uh, he's getting paid for it, and and that's something that hey, I still think it's something where uh, you know that's going to appeal to a lot of players. But at the same time, I think you can have it both ways. Where yes, this program can appeal to a lot of these top tier players, but I also think that college is still going to appeal to a very large percentage of players coming out of high school. Um, so it's not a situation just because one, two, five, ten of these guys decide to, to do this, that college basketball is just going to be in a spot where it simply can't continue and they're just going to shut down college basketball or no one's going to watch anymore. I think one of the underestimated aspects of this, and I'm not sure why it's so underestimated, because it is what drives college basketball. It's what drives college sports is the fans and how many fans are just going to say, well, um, for instance, if I'm an, if you, if you're an Auburn fan, 
Are you just going to say, well, we didn't get Jalen Green, but I, I love Jalen Green so much and I enjoy his game so much that I think I'm going to pick watching him in the G League over watching an Auburn team that I've followed for 20-something years. I think that's where we have to slow down and realize that that's going to be an easy choice for a college sports fan and, and it, with a specific team. Um, yes, we, we all w- would love to watch Jalen Green in college. We'd all love to watch some of these other prospects in college. Look back at the guys who didn't go to college. Uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, go up and down the line. Players who did not go to college, it would have been great to see them in college uniforms. But we were still able to watch them in the NBA. We loved watching them play. Um, but yet we still were you know, going to be interested in our college teams just because they were you know a team that we had supported and we were going to support um the guys who decided to come play for our specific school uh, so i think that's something too where you know fan support's not just going to drop off because you have these elite talents that decide to go to the nba uh it's just one of those where you know yes you'd love to see them play in college but if they go to the nba well if you're a college basketball fan and you're not an nba fan well, you're probably still going to follow the college game. Um, you know, I, it's just one of those where I don't. You're not going to be picking players necessarily over your own school because that's what it's all about when it comes to supporting college programs. You're supporting the school. You're supporting the team um, that, that's there. And I don't think you're just going to stop following your team because some of these guys uh, go to the NBA. And so I think that's something, uh, too, that, that I'm not sure why is not getting added into this discussion. Uh, it's as if everyone's just going to run away from college basketball uh, and you're not going to have any players to choose from or the game's going to get to a point uh, to where it's just so terrible. And and yes, I know you look at some of the, the national writers and we've seen people you know, poke fun at college basketball and where it's at. And, but it's just, it's just nonsense sometimes because it just doesn't, you know, it's one of those where, yes, this is going to change a lot of things and it's probably going to eventually result in the one and done rule being done with. But, uh, we have to remember the, the one and done rule is not a college thing. It's an NBA thing. Um, and so it's one of those where once the, the one and done rule goes out, I think that's great because it gives these guys opportunities right out of high school. If they want to go to the NBA, if they want to go uh, that route to be a professional, they can have the opportunity to do that. And I've always think it's ridiculous that they haven't had that opportunity. Why it ever changed, I don't know, uh, because there's no reason to force these guys to go to college for one year. Um, they're not getting a full college education in one year. So what is the point of forcing them to do this when they can go straight out of high school if they want to get paid let them go get paid. Um, and and then the guys who want to go to college, maybe there's another way uh, to where you know you can say, okay, well, if you do decide to go to college, here's a certain amount of time that you have to do it. Um, and I, I think it's something where you know the baseball model is what a lot of people have pointed to, uh, where you know you have the opportunity to get drafted and then you go to college. Um, so I, I don't know, and I think there's a, a lot of different layers to this. That look, there there are people a lot smarter than I am uh, that are going to make these decisions. But but I don't think it's as easy as people just saying that college basketball is now done for because of this new initiative by the G League, because every player is not going to get a $500,000 offer to play basketball right out of high school. Um, and the majority of these players are still going to look at college as a very valuable experience, both on the court and off the court. 
and and I think that's going to still keep the college game. There's still going to be people watching the NCAA tournament in March. I, I can guarantee you that. Um, there's still going to be people watching each season. And I think probably the, the bigger question for college basketball throughout the years has been, you know, just basically when it's played because it does, you know, kind of fall into the middle of the hot part of college football. And I know there have been a lot of people that have pushed, you know, maybe for college basketball to be a, a one-semester sport. And those are different discussions um, that you can have on on maybe trying to find ways to make college basketball better. But I don't think college basketball is just completely in a spot now to where it's just going to be something that everyone's going to stop watching because they didn't get to see the top five or top ten players in a single recruiting class uh, decide to go this route. Now, you know, if it becomes the top 100 players, then we're having a different discussion. But as of right now, I think that there are going to be obvious changes made on both fronts, both in college and in the NBA. And we're seeing, you know, sort of the, the dramatic changes when it comes to this G League program. Uh, but you're going to have changes in college basketball. It's going to open a lot more about the NIL um, in terms of, you know, are college athletes going to get an opportunity to get paid? It, this, at least, I think is going to open up a lot more discussion and a lot more decision-making that's going to be necessary by the NCAA and by the NBA, uh, I think, when it comes to the one-and-done rule, uh, and other aspects, too. So, uh, in a sense, that so that's probably a positive when you think about some of the things that really do need to be addressed when it comes to college athletics. Uh, this should be something that, that should at least uh, push things forward and force the NCAA uh, to make some decisions on certain things. And, like we've said, it is also going to force the NBA uh, to make some decisions on the one and done rule. And I just don't, I think it's something that, you know, get rid of the one and done rule. Uh, let this be the pathway. If they want to, to make this, you know, the, the path for a lot of these different players, then, then the NBA can do that. Uh, but you're still going to have players going to college. You're still going to have players go to college and be three or four year guys. Um, you're not going to just have players, you know, go to college uh, and be there for, for one or two seasons and then go get paid $500,000 in the G League. A lot of college basketball is still going to look the same. And I think that's what we have to keep in mind is that the sport is not just completely changing because you have some of these top-level, top-level prospects. Again, let's remember that. Uh, we're talking about guys who are projected as as top picks, or top five picks, top ten picks. Um, not everybody is projected as a top five or top ten pick. There are a lot of kids that are still going to go to college and play for their respective university uh, for, for three or four years. That's just that's the way it is. Um, so I, that's why it just, that, that's something that, uh, I think that just, just seeing some of the reaction and we'll have more thoughts on this next week, um, in terms of, of just where things stand with all this. Cause I'm sure there's going to be a lot more discussion, um, over what the options could be. But uh, I think for anyone out there who thinks that college basketball just is not going to be able to continue, uh, because of some of these players, um, you know, being more enticed by this new G League program. Uh, I just don't think that's realistic because um, there's still going to be a lot of, you know, thousands of players in college basketball, uh, and uh, it's going to be something where fans aren't just going to stop supporting their teams uh, because they didn't get a top five or top ten recruit. Uh, they're not just going to go follow the recruit. Uh, they're going to continue to follow their teams. 
And so uh, I think it's way too premature <laughs> to start uh, running the narratives out there that uh, college basketball is in a spot where, uh, you know, it's basically do this now or, you know, the game is not going to be able to survive. Uh, I just don't think that's uh, something that, that's very accurate uh, at this point. But uh, we'll get more into that, as I said, uh, next week here on the podcast. But uh, coming up, uh, we'll dive into some of these stats that I put out on Twitter about uh, the recent success for, for some of the teams in SEC basketball. We'll get into those coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, on Twitter, uh, you know, as we all do probably right now, we get a little bit bored. Uh, we try to find some stuff uh, to do and talk about. And so what I did was start going through some random SEC basketball stats. And I decided to make just a Twitter thread out of it. Uh, and I've been adding to it uh, over the past couple of days uh, in terms of just putting random stats uh, in one thread. And I'll link that thread uh, in the show notes. You can check that out if you want to go see uh, all the ones thus far. There's only, uh, I think, four tweets in there right now. So uh, I'll keep adding to it. But uh, just so you know, uh, I'm just going to put a bunch of these random stats uh, in that thread, and I'll keep pushing it uh, on Twitter. But uh, I was very curious to go through and, and started with some of the more, I guess, easy ones um, that are that you just, just look at and, uh, you know, just to get a better sense of where is SEC basketball at now and where was it at, you know, a while ago and who are the teams specifically uh, that continue, you know, to be the ones that are right there near the top. And as you would expect, uh, Kentucky is pretty is at the top of every single one of these categories uh, that I've done thus far, which is no surprise uh, given uh, the Wildcat success, not just since John Calipari's been there, but uh, over years and years now, we know, uh, you know, uh, their success as a college basketball program. But uh, some of the stats that, that I put out there that I thought were very interesting, and we'll start uh, with uh, the top seven teams in the SEC in overall wins the past five seasons. Um, and it was Kentucky that was at the top. Again, no surprise there, as uh, the Wildcats in the past five seasons have had 140 total wins. Uh, second on the list was Auburn. Uh, with 110 wins, and uh, we'll we'll talk about why that's interesting here in just a second. Uh, Florida was third with 108 wins. Tennessee was fourth with 105 wins. Arkansas fifth with 103. South Carolina sixth with 102, and Mississippi State uh, at 98 uh, as the uh, the seventh team uh, on that list. So as you can see, obviously a big difference uh, between um, you know Kentucky and the rest of the field. Um, Kentucky 30 more overall wins than Auburn uh, in this five you know five season stretch here of these stats uh, but we mentioned Auburn and here's what I think is very interesting because now we go to uh, the top seven SEC teams and overall wins the past 10 seasons um, and keep in mind I did say that uh, Texas A&M is among this group but uh, two of their seasons were when they were still in the Big 12 um, but uh, if you look at the the top teams and overall wins the past 10 seasons Kentucky at 295 uh, Florida at 244, Arkansas at 207, Tennessee 203, Ole Miss at 196, Alabama at 192, and Texas A&M at 191. So let's talk about some of these here specifically, and there's some more stats, and we'll get into those next week. Uh, but uh, here's what I think stands out, and some people pointed this out right away, and as I was putting this together, I thought, wow, that's very interesting because when you look at Auburn being the team the past five years that has the second most wins in SEC basketball overall, um, you see that and you think, well, we know how good of a job Bruce Pearl has done there. But then you look at the top teams and overall wins the past 10 seasons, and Auburn's not even in the top half in the SEC. Uh, and that shows you how much of a dramatic change there's been 
for them. And it's also worth noting that even in that five season stretch where they they finished you know second in the SEC behind Kentucky uh, in most overall wins, let's remember that Auburn had an eleven win season in there too. Uh, so that also shows you the the dramatic impact that Bruce Pearl has had on this program because um, you know they they started off slow his first season, but you see how far they've come now to where they've won so many games these past several seasons that they have you know been the second most successful team in SEC basketball the past several seasons, despite, you know, over the past 10 seasons, not even being in the top seven because, you know, that program, as we know, was was in a pretty rough spot uh, in terms of their success. And so uh, that's one of the things I think that stands out with this is just if you think Bruce Pearl has done a good job there, um, the numbers pretty much tell you that maybe he's doing an even better job than you think when you actually look and break down the numbers in terms of wins. Uh, what's also interesting in this, I think, is that South Carolina is sixth in the SEC uh, and overall wins the past five seasons. That just shows you that, you know, we we mention and we laugh about it every season that Frank Martin's team is always going to be picked low seemingly, uh, but they've just found ways to win. And, you know, we've seen their success the past several seasons uh, in SEC play, even when they've started slow in non-conference portion. Uh, And, of course, the Final Four run is in there, too. So uh, that helped them, you know, jump up there into where they're at now because uh, they did play so well, um, you know, during that Final Four run. But but really, they've been pretty consistent for the most part uh, in that. And speaking of consistency, uh, you look at Ole Miss and Alabama being the teams that are five and six in SEC wins the past 10 seasons. Um, I pointed out Jordan Sperber, who does a great job with his newsletter, uh, Hoop Vision. Uh, he pointed out that Alabama was the most consistent team of the decade, basically not because Alabama uh, was a team that, you know, w- that was necessarily being at the top of the SEC every season, but they were also a team that hadn't really bottomed out, and they had kind of stayed in that same level, uh, that same win range for a lot of their seasons. And that's why I think you, you see them as the sixth team the past 10 seasons uh, in overall wins. But Ole Miss ahead of them with 196, and that goes back to what I talked about probably when I first started the the Southeast Tubes podcast. Uh, goodness, that's probably four years ago now. Um, about the job Andy Kennedy had done at Ole Miss, and by the way, he's doing a fantastic job at UAB already. I noted that on Twitter. Um, He's already landed several double-digit transfer scores uh, to the mix there for UAB, so AK is going to have the Blazers rocking and rolling uh, here sooner rather than later, but you know, that was something where I just don't think Andy Andy Kennedy really got enough credit for the job he did at Ole Miss because they are the fifth team in the past 10 years in the SEC in overall wins, and I think that's something that would have surprised a lot of people if you didn't look specifically at the numbers. Uh, but uh, he, he's just, I, I mean, what he did there, I think, to, to build that program, they were very consistent. You know, something else we talked about is how they really never finished that low in the standings, maybe aside from his last season there. Um, they had been pretty consistent about finishing at least in the top half of the SEC for the most part. And so uh, I think that speaks to, to the job he did there building that program. Of course, Kermit Davis has come in, got up to the NCAA tournament in his first season there. Um, so that that just kind of shows you, too, where they've been at. And uh, so that, that those are just some numbers uh, on overall wins. And I have some more in that thread as it as it pertains to uh, NCAA tournament wins. Uh, big discrepancy there uh, as well when it comes to uh, Kentucky and the rest of the field. But uh, we'll get into that uh, next week on the podcast. But uh, just some a random SEC 
stats thread. Uh, so you can check that out if you uh, get bored <laughs> like me sometimes and uh, some interesting numbers on SEC basketball. But uh, that'll wrap up this episode of the Lockdown SEC Podcast. As always, be sure to subscribe. Head over any podcast app you use. Just search for Lockdown SEC. Uh, and again, if you enjoy the show, take a few seconds, leave a nice five-star rating review. That just helps the show reach more people. Uh, for everything else, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Blake Level and. Um, as we teased on the previous episode of the podcast, um, uh, the NFL draft is uh, just around the corner, and if you are wanting some great coverage on it, uh, just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NFL Draft for great NFL draft coverage. But uh, thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked on SEC Podcast, part of Locked on Podcast Network. <laughs>